Welcome back to Speakeasy Security, the podcast from ESET. I'm Ransom Burkett. And I'm Tony Anscombe. And Tony, what in the world is going on these days? We're seeing breaches, we're seeing vulnerabilities, we're seeing disclosures, but more importantly, something I didn't think I'd see in the news. I'm talking spyware and stalkerware. And that's just the beginning of it. I mean, if we were going to talk about a topic this week, I think it's imperative that we talk about this one because of all the headlines. I mean, we have seen a lot of news around some things that are concerning a a piece of software called Pegasus. And I think um, we should talk to people about why it's so important, um, but also why it's so dangerous. And just thinking about it, if we define Stalkerware, um, they're basically defining it as a form of monitoring software that enables a remote user to track the activities on another user's device. And we're talking about everything, such as your location, your call logs, your pictures, your messages. I mean, social media and so much more, right? And the bad part about this is this, guys. It does it without the user or the owner of that device even knowing it's happening. So it can track anything about you and you wouldn't even know it. Now, we both know this is not only illegal, but it's morally wrong. And also there's some serious concerns about how stockware is being linked even to domestic violence. I know that's something you've spoken to about, Tony, earlier in the year. So, Tony, as always, um, you're going to help me walk through this and help everyone understand what it is they should know about stalkerware, spyware, um, how to potentially check if they have it on their devices, and more importantly, if you are a victim, how you can get help. So, Tony, I know this is a touchy subject, but you're super passionate about it. So what would you add to maybe my definition of stalkerware or or if anything, what what would you say about it? Well, it is a touchy subject. There are various different forms of stalkerware and things that invade your privacy from activating your camera, but also looking at your location, reading the victim's messages, reading the notifications, in fact, even maybe suppressing some of the notifications, uh, taking screenshots of your device and sending them across to the, the, the abuser of your privacy. And they may actually be listening, yeah, listening to your to your microphone if you go off to meet a friend they may actually be listening to the friend and yours conversation without you without you actually knowing so it's a huge huge invasion of privacy and basically it doesn't stop at the things that i think you can envisage i.e the camera and the microphone and the location are all things maybe we think about but the store the the spyware installed on the device could be looking at all the other apps you're using too. So the passwords you're mm-hmm. typing in and the other credentials that you're using. So it actually may give be giving somebody else access to those apps as well. Wow, wow. And that that goes to show you that this is as invasive as it gets, right? I mean, it's, it's a privacy buster, right? And with nothing off limits, and you mentioning apps and social media messages and pretty much anything you put on your phone, I mean, it, it's it's going to have to maybe be understood that this is as invasive as it gets, knowing what everyone keeps on their phone. And I think one of the scary parts here that we can kind of share is that we're not seeing it slowing down. In fact, um, it's important that we're talking about this because earlier in the year, I know you did this really big presentation with the National Cybersecurity Alliance um, and one of our researchers out of HQ um, around Android stockware. Actually, it was stockware in general, but there was something around Android and the reason why I mentioned Android is because there was a report that he said put out and it actually showed some of his work uh, and research into how big Stalkerware has grown and 
this report stated that in 2020, the detections of Android software grew um, by over 48% versus the prior year. So that's a staggering number, not only that, but um, what people can and potentially should take away from this is that there's a lot of valuable data there that the bad guys are trying to, um, to, to take advantage of. So Tony, let's break this down. I mean, why, why would you say there's an increase? I mean, year over year in, in software. Well, I think, I think we need to couple that into kind of two pieces. I mean, there's the bad guys that are collecting your personal information and maybe doing inappropriate things with it. But then on the second, second part of that, you've got somebody in an abusive relationship where maybe somebody's not collecting the data in the way we think of abusing the data, but they're collecting your movements and they're collecting everything about you so that they know everything and they're all controlling. And yes. that, I think that's the scary part about stalkerware is, is that it can be used by somebody that wants to be create an oppressive life for the victim. Yeah. And that person being abused is often unable or un. I'd say unwilling because um, people in domestic abuse are often unwilling because they don't know the consequences of actually opening a report and telling somebody else that this is happening to them or they feel yeah. embarrassed or they feel, you know, whatever, whatever the reasons. And actually it's a bright, it's a brave person that comes forward, isn't it? If they're being domestically abused in that way to actually, actually get help and yeah, they mm -hmm. should get help. Yeah, yeah, they should. Uh, absolutely. But why is this becoming more of a problem? Why is there greater detections? Well, one, I think there's greater detections because there's greater understanding of both technology and what stalkerware is. So, yeah, as technology companies, for example, he said, we we monitor now monitor stalkerware as a separate category. So therefore, we start to understand how many more detections we're seeing in that categorization. But also, you've got greater understanding of where somebody that wants to abuse somebody probably, you know, five years ago didn't actually know that this type of technology could even exist or was available to them. And now, you know, it's, it's because it's talked about, unfortunately, in talking about the anti-stalkerware, you're also highlighting the fact there is stalkerware. So the two kind of run hand in hand. So I think some of that is abu the abuser is also becoming more technically savvy on that as well. And if you look, our research discovered you know, 158 security and privacy issues in 58 different stalker apps. Now, this is a really interesting point. Some of these stalkerware apps are very badly written. Okay. So it's not like... You, know, you go and get a piece of software from a reputable vendor, and yes, there are vulner known vulnerability or not known vulnerabilities, but there will be vulnerabilities in the software because all software has its flaws at some stage. But Stalkerware is written for the abuser, and it's written to hide on the device. And you know, do the company that's writing it and selling it in, for that purpose, do they care about the vulnerabilities? Uh, and the answer to that is no. no. So if then a malware writer or some other bad actor comes along and realizes, oh, there's this piece of stalkerware on this device, and by the way, I know that if I insert myself into this process, I can also take a copy of all that data as well. So suddenly the vulnerability in the stalkerware is opening up the victim to being abused by what I define as your traditional cyber criminal. Yeah, sure. so, so sure. you're, you're bad, normal bad actor, if there's such a thing. 
So actually, these badly written apps cause a whole heap of other privacy issues beyond the fact they're being used to monitor the the victim. All right. So that's really interesting, Tony. And I think maybe one of the points some would make is around how parental controlled or parental software uh, and how it's installed on a child's device is kind of doing the same thing. So is that, I mean, is parental control software violating any legal, you know, legal areas or is spyware so much more invasive that it becomes this other and bad category? What do you think? So firstly, let's cover off the legality question. Um, Now, my understanding is illegal to sell spyware in or spy software that's primary focus is on spying so to secretly tap phone calls, record private conversations and such like. But of course, if you're writing a piece of software that's designed to do this and you market it as a parental control piece of software and give it what I define as advanced functionality beyond what is needed in parental control software, say so the ability to hide the app and all those sorts of things, then it's a very gray area, which is why I think you see very few prosecutions against people that create this type of software. So I think it's a bit of a gray area in the law. But come back to your other question is, and I think the core of your question was, are parental, is parental control software different to stalkerware? And the answer to a certain degree is no, not really. Because the ability to monitor text messages or or to see location and to look at you know what's happening on the de- or, or about the device and to control what's what's being done on the device that's parental control software isn't it it's or many parental control pieces of software have a lot of those functionalities the difference comes in the way those fu- that functionality is implemented on the device So with a piece of parental control software, or at least a legitimate and reputable piece of software, um, the child is going to know that this is installed on their device because there's an app. It's going to message the when the child pushes the boundary for whatever reason, tries to get to a website or or tries to do something beyond the normal boundary, then it's going to message the child from the parental control software. Mm-hmm. So they're going to know this is installed on their device and sure. it's kind of, it's with consent. Yes. Um, well, I, and, I, and I say that, I mean, it might not always have been installed by the parent with the child's consent, Yes. Yeah. but the child knows it's there and knows the reasons it's there. And hopefully to me, the parent, if they're not, if they haven't engaged the child already, that they're going to put this on the device and it's going to do this and these are the reasons it's going to do this and blah, 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 yes. then actually you're missing a whole big piece of parental control because if you're not educating your child and getting them to understand what the risk is and, and what how you're mitigating this risk with this piece of software, then you know, to me, I think you need to go back to parenting 101, but that's just my yeah, that personal right. opinion. <laughs> no, your, your, your opinion is shared here. So no, you're absolutely right. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's a question that we'd probably get asked, or at least maybe someone would, would have in their mind. So I think it's important to talk through that one. But if I were 
And in fact, I am right now doing a search online and just typing in software, excuse me, stalkerware apps and software for sale. I mean, I can find a number of options available to purchase right now online and I'm located in the States. So is there, I mean, what, what are the parameters? I mean, how is this still happening? How are stalkerware apps, which we know kind of stray far beyond the moral and legal you know, uh, grounds that we've established in this country and certainly for uh, acceptable software usage, uh, how are they still for sale? Because they wrap themselves up around not having the primary function of being for uh, covertly spying. So therefore, it's very okay. difficult to what what law applies to them. Gotcha. So I think the important thing is, is if somebody, you know, is... Because of that grayness, then I think it's about understanding of understanding of whether you've got this on your device and whether somebody may have installed it, yeah. and, and maybe how to remove it. Because it's clear that you're not going to stop it being available. Yeah. And even if even if it became less visible here in the US or wherever somebody's located, you know, there's always going to be some dark. Mm-hmm. dark side of the the internet somewhere where you're going to be able to claw one of these apps out of and uh, unfortunately install it on somebody's device and it's very diff- it's very difficult for even the operating systems vendors to completely lock down the functionality of some of these products because if you did in effect you'd be stopping parental control products as well exactly exactly i feel i feel there was kind of a little venn diagram where there's those concentric circles where this kind of puts a few pieces of both in the same circle. And so eliminating one would certainly kill the other. Um, And it's interesting because I think there's a lot of parents out there that are probably concerned about if they're, you know, what they're doing is considered to be stalkerware. But to your point, now there's, there's quite a bit of um, consent and also uh, discussion around that. So brings up a good point. Um, Okay. Let's talk about the average user then. Um, Would they be able to tell if, Stalkerware were installed in their phone, or is that something that operates completely unbeknownst to them? It could be because mm-hmm. if the person has installed the app, so the the person the the abuser would have to have physical access to the device. So and they'd have to be able to log on to so know the PIN number to the device. So if they take the device and they install the process uh, a stalkerware process on it, and then hide the stalkerware the stalkerware process and that's the functionality some of these apps allow then there's no app icon or there's no unless you know what you're looking for i know to go and look at apps that might be running on the device but you might not be able to see then you may well be unlikely to know i mean there are telltale signs of maybe increased battery you know or your, your battery draining too quickly um just out of interest, I think my phone is suffering from that, but I don't have stalkerware. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, just an so, old phone probably, right? Yeah, yeah and I, I kind of mention that and laugh because actually my phone does seem to be dying of battery at the moment, and uh, I think that's just one of the things that every now and again mobile phones do, isn't it? Sure, Maybe sure. Maybe you get a badly behaved app. But if you've continually got battery issues, or, of course, the abuser may seem to know things that you didn't tell them, yeah, so you need to watch in the conversation. Was there something you said to a friend that it appears out of context that somebody else may reference or, or may talk about, for example, that might give it away that 
that there is somebody else knowing. And the other thing is is to check the permissions on the phone. So you can you can delve in to, for example, go into the camera or the microphone and look at see what apps have access to those particular services and devices. And if there's one in there that you don't recognize or isn't an app that you seem to have installed on the device, then there is your stalkerware app. You just might not have an icon for it on the on the screen where you go click on your apps. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you're kind of getting into my next point, which is um, you know permissions and how they access it. You, you you kind of did some work with the NCSA, and I'd love to talk about that coming up. But I mean, maybe just maybe share a little bit about that conversation you had. I think you were hosting this piece with uh, the NCSA. Uh, National Cybersecurity Alliance, for those, again, who may not know, uh, that you were able to help put out some sort of a tip sheet? Or what What did you kind of work with them on? Because I think you had some kind of um, reference guide for folks to be able to determine and and look for stalkerware on their, on their phone. Well, the ESET research we mentioned earlier on uh, was pre- uh, presented by Lukash on a webinar with NCSA. And I moderated that, that webinar on behalf of... Uh, NCSA. And uh, we also had somebody on there from uh, a domestic abuse nonprofit talking about the issue of this from, you know, maybe the victim's viewpoint and where they can go and get help. And in fact, we should include some of those links of where somebody can get help in, in this episode. Absolutely. And it was super interesting. Now, the research uh, that Lucas had done, he also presented at RSA, so the deeper research of exactly what stalkerware apps were doing. But mm-hmm. one of the things that was, I think, useful was he showed some basic functionality of stalkerware because what we don't often see is what this stuff looks like. Yeah. And he, he also showed where you should look for and how, how you can go and remove it. However, um, as I recall from that webinar, you know, removing it might not actually be the right thing to do immediately somebody finds out it's on there. Because if you are in a domestic violence or an abusive relationship, if you switch it off immediately, you could actually be angering the person, your abuser. So it, you need to may, maybe then become more... Uh, slight in how you use your device i'm trying to think of the right word there measured you want to be measured, measured. measured. thank Indeed. you yeah there you want to be more measured in how you use the right uh, you use your device uh and maybe actually even go and get a secondary device and and yeah have the second device to to communicate but also get help at the stage you know the stalker is on there that's the time to go get help yeah. and actually allow somebody else to step in and help you one understand how to get rid of it but two how to how to control, maybe control the the wider situation. You got that right. And that's, I mean, that's imperative. I think that's one of the things we're driving home to your point. Yes, we're definitely going to include some links to that organization. And um, I think they're, um, they're called the national network to end domestic violence. So um, we're going to talk about that in a second, but I think it's appropriate for us to pause for a quick drink here on speakeasy. Not only do we make the technical and cyber issues easy for those to understand, but hey, in true speakeasy style, we have a cold beverage with us every now and then. So today, Tony, I am sipping on a nice new bourbon. It's called Contradiction Bourbon from Smooth Ambler. And what they're saying is this is a blend of straight bourbon whiskeys, uh, small batch out of West Virginia, believe it or not. So I have to say kudos to the people at Smooth Ambler. They put together a pretty tasty whiskey. 
And I'm going to tip and cheers you to this one, Tony. What about you? Well, obviously, when the smooth ambler van pulls up out truck pulls up outside your your location with that sponsored drink, yeah. drink, I, I I need to share some of that too. But what Indeed. do I have this week? I have. I'm a lucky person. It's uh, I've celebrated a birthday recently, and uh, my son came back from right. the UK, so he purchased something on uh-huh. his way out of the UK in duty free for me that you can't buy here in the US. All oh, right, okay. And that's a Talisker. Dark Storm Single Malt Whiskey. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. And uh, please, Talisker, please start selling this in the US because <laughs> I miss it so much or have done over the last 18 months. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I bet you a lot of folks, um, expats and others, are looking for their, their Talisker. i got to give that a try, Tony. So that sounds really good. Well, cheers to you, man. And, uh, wow, we definitely have to have a drink at some point coming up soon. Oh, here, just a sec. So as we get back into this, and um, this topic is pretty, it's important, I think. Um, I was going to go back to the issue that we were talking about where um, you did work with the National Network to End Domestic Violence, and you guys were discussing those um, dangers, and maybe you can take us through, I know you mentioned you hosted the webinar and you had that nonprofit there kind of talking through some things, but can you tell me a little bit more about like what those discussions yielded in terms of, hey, was there some some awareness that you guys were trying to drive? Was it to just kind of promote um, that these issues need to be taken seriously, the technical components? Or maybe just summarize that for me, if you can. I think you answered the question for me, actually, Anthony. But, <laughs> I, you know, it's That's an good. important issue. Uh, this is one of those issues that I think is very serious and is one of those issues that people don't like to talk about because it is a serious issue and we don't like to think of our devices one that there's abusive people out there but two that our devices are being used in this way or technology is being used in this way by abusers so i think it's always a a difficult conversation but it was super to have somebody from the national network to end domestic violence on the call and uh, i think october as i recall is the anti-domestic violence month so i think you're going to see a resurgence of some of those tip sheets and some of the information that was discussed back then but it was to raise awareness and you know ncsa has a great audience of people in uh government and on the hill so to raise the awareness that this type of issue is going on and this type of technology is out there and actually that maybe the law doesn't always make it illegal because there's this gray area, um, you know, briefing those types of or that type of audience puts this firmly on their, their agenda, or I hope it does. It certainly will. It certainly will. And maybe this is a perfect time to kind of mention, you know, the, the law enforcement um, and government angle kind of stepping up to combat stalker where are there things that you're seeing, whether it's the discussions you're having with NCSA or potentially other organizations where this the seriousness of stock aware and spyware and its association with domestic violence are being discussed yes absolutely mm-hmm. so yeah we already talked about whether you know how to know um whether some of this stuff is on your device and i think this is a really important point isn't it is you know how does somebody actually identify yeah if you think if you think you have got this you know one thing you should do is take screenshots that's because really if you do find something on the device at the point where you find it, somebody else might realize you found it. You should start screenshotting and send them somewhere. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, so you need to cr- start collecting the evidence that you were being abused by this type of technology. And the problem is, I think also, and one of the thing, one of the reasons we had that discussion uh, on the NCSA webinar as well was, you know, I think if you walked into your local sheriff's office, yeah, would they understand what stalkerware is, what it might look like, how it's how it's working, and what you should do? And the answer is probably not. No. You're not going to find some cyber expert in your local sheriff office, or you may do. You may be lucky, but I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. my my best judgment is you're probably not going to. You know, sure, they do a sure. fabulous job, law enforcement officers, but they're not they're not expert at everything, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. So you may end up in a scenario where you need expert help, sure. and uh, you you know that reliance on you to have taken some steps and collected some evidence might actually help help it um in that interim period yeah well that's really really important and i think all of this is really important to kind of discuss not only in light of what we're seeing in the headlines but as an industry hey it's incumbent on us to kind of bring awareness to these things so this has been an insightful conversation tony i think everyone can do what they can to learn more about stock aware and how they can keep their family and friends safe so to your point, we're going to put a ton of links here in the um, bottom of this episode because I think this one's probably one of the more uh, ones that hits closer to home. And um, we're going to hope that everyone stays educated. As you mentioned, we're a few months away from Cybersecurity Awareness Month, but um, there's a lot, and, and Domestic Violence Awareness Month, but there's a lot that we can do in the interim, and that certainly involves education and, of course, keeping our guards up. So, Tony, anything else before we close, man? Well, one important thing. If you're on an Android device, install an antivirus product. So install a cybersecurity product because all the reputable ones, including ESETS one, hmm? yeah, detects stalkerware and will remove the stalkerware or or tell you how to remove the stalkerware. So important, you know, to have that cybersecurity software on an iOS device. Yeah, a little bit more difficult, but there are some tips on how to remove it. If you go and find that Stay Safe Online blog tip sheet uh, from NCSA. Uh, it gives you some tips on how to remove it. And like I say, part of that webinar, my colleague Lucas uh, showed us how to remove it as well. So super important super important to go and find that information. There you go, Tony. Making it easy for everyone, just like we always do at Speakeasy. I love that. Well, man, this has been a great conversation. We're going to leave everyone off with that one, and we'll be back next week. So thanks for your time. Always good to talk to you, Ransom. All right, we'll see everyone next week. Bye.